We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, boy. It's, uh, I am much better. I'm going to just lead off with that. I'm just going to, you know, for those of you who heard last podcast and were wondering, eh, it's been a while since that last podcast. Has he done himself in and uh, that's why we haven't seen one in a while? No, no, no. I'm still here. And I'm, I'm off the antibiotics. I'm drinking. And uh, life is eh, marginally better, I would say. It's, you know, uh, you, you get your column A, your column B, you add them up, you know, and that's the, that's the way I am, as you have uh, known from reading the or listening to the analytics episode of this podcast, the analytical one. That's the way I view life. So I will say, uh, net ahead. Now, for those of you who may say, Eh, he still sounds a little off. Yes, yes. Um, and that is part of the, uh, uh, you know, the red, the, the, the withdrawal side of my balance sheet. Yes, uh, something is still wrong with me physically. Um, I'm thinking at this moment it is allergies because one of the things I am really allergic to are privet trees. And this being the first week of August, this is when they, I don't know, throw their spores into the air like that uh, episode of Star Trek where, like, there was that planet and everybody got all goofy because the plants threw spores on them. And um, that's uh, uh, interesting enough, George Takei's favorite episode. Uh, it's because uh, that's the one where he gets to go f- uh, shirtless and fencing. Yeah, sure. I don't know, though. I mean, a part of me, as a, you know, if I was like a serious actor, like, uh, you know, George Takei does, he does lots of stage work, he did Equus, and uh, I don't know if I would really pick the episode. I mean, maybe I'd pick the episode where I looked good in it, but maybe I'd pick the episode where I actually got to do some acting? I don't know. I mean... I really, I, I haven't seen that episode in a while, but it, it's my remembrance that the bulk of that, uh, of, of his performance in that is, you know, the crazy part where he's fencing and shirtless and, you know, sh- swashbuckling his way down uh, the alleyways. I would have picked something, you know, not, not that Sulu ever really got to do any heavy lifting in any of the episodes, but look, you know, I mean, it's got to be something, you know, better than that. Now, look, if you're Walter Koenig... Yeah, you got almost nothing. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, nuclear vessels is all you get. So, okay, well, whatever. Anyway, so let's uh let's talk about what's different uh between uh last podcast and this podcast. And if and I have no topic for this podcast. So, if there is anything to to learn from this um well, we'll see where this goes cuz that's the joy of this podcast. Like we can really just see where it goes. Okay, so I am also uh, referencing the analytical podcast. Uh, I am someone who loves to look 
for signs and directions and, and, you know, all things point to, you know, as, as analytical as I am, it's, it's ironic because I do enjoy that idea of fate, right? Like, well, I am destined to do this. And, uh, so I, I was, uh, uh, so most recently we've been watching Entourage and, uh, the woman who plays Ari Gold's wife, the actress Perry Reeves. Uh, there was a, there was an episode, uh, recently where, uh, she was in a bikini and I grabbed a snap of it and I threw it up on the uh, UGTV.org blog so you can see it. Uh, and she is quite fetching in that. But I was, and I did it. I went through the, the work to do that because when I Googled images of her, I got not much. I mean, I got her on the red carpet and whatever and a grab bag of stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, this is a drag. I, I really feel like this is my gift to the world. This is my gift to all of you. Perry Reeves. In a bikini. And I was really feeling like, you know, I've been watching Entourage for a while. I can't remember what season we're on, two, three, whatever, something like that. And I was uh, disappointed, you know, because really originally in Entourage, they had a ton of naked chicks. And it was like, okay, you know, the, the show is good. I'll, I'll give it that. The show is good. But I was like, if you're gonna do a show on HBO... You know, it's sort of like you gotta have naked chicks. It's like when uh, the, that wife of mine and I, we went to Amsterdam, there was an enormous pressure on us to uh, smoke weed or do weed in some form because it's legal there or not legal, but decriminalized there. So you gotta do it. You know, and it's like, it's like when I was in Vegas, um, I, I walked down the street with a beer. I didn't want the beer. I wasn't interested in having a beer at that moment. And it wasn't a beer I would particularly have chosen. It was no, you know, Sierra Nevada. It was no Black Heart from Trader Joe's, my all time favorite stout beer. I love that beer so much. Um, no, it was a, you know, it was a whatever. It was a domestic kind of middle of the road beer. It was, uh, it was whatever. So, but yet I felt like I'm in Vegas. You can walk down the middle of the street with a beer. I shall do it. Good luck getting to the street in Vegas. Uh, because, you know, that's their whole game. For those of you who have not been to Vegas, um, imagine like being in a building where you can't leave. Or you can, but it is insanely difficult to figure out how. That describes all of Vegas, right? Every casino you go to, no matter how different they look in the front, they've, you know, got pirate shows out front or uh, albino tigers or a volcano or dancing waters. Pfeh. They're all different from the outside, but they're all exactly the same on the inside. Now, there are minor differences. There's a lovely gallery art thing and the Venetian and, you know, there are subtle differences. But for the most part, they are all designed the same. No daylight, no ability to find your way out. If you do think you're getting out, you might not be. Because there were many times in Vegas where we would get to a precipice and you would have to just leap over a two-foot wall in order to get down into the street. And you, it was crazy because many times you could actually see the street, but you could not see any way to get to it. 
Anyway, so my advice is, unless you're a degenerate gambler or a degenerate drinker, do not go to Vegas. All right, so let's get back to Perry Reeves. Right, so uh, I... I uh, I uploaded uh, the photo to the blog of Perry Reeves, and then um, a couple of weeks later, I was listening to the Jordan Jesse Go podcast, and they were mentioning uh, kicking and screaming, and they also mentioned the fact that there is a Will Ferrell movie called Kicking and Screaming, which is where he ho- a coaches a soccer team, but there is a much much better version of. Kicking and Screaming. I'm sorry, it's not even a different version. It's a totally different movie called Kicking and Screaming from 1995 uh, with that guy who used to be in some phone commercials. And, and there were a couple of movies around. Oh, and Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz, as, as also Jordan Jesse mentioned, used to be in every single movie. You know, right? It was him. Oh, Parker Posey is in this movie as well, because at that same time, she was in every single movie. So, uh, I was, I, so they're talking about this and they, and lo and behold, they say topless Perry Reeves in this movie. And I'm like, oh man. Now I have seen this movie before. I think I'm not sure. Um, I remember, I know for a fact I saw it, but I remember one of the times I saw it, I think the volume was, uh, you know, on occasionally cause it was a party and, uh, and and we were kind of half watching it. But then I kind of remember actually going back and watching it because there were a lot of parts that seemed very familiar. Anyway, so the whole movie, for those of you who have not seen it. Oh, by the way, you can see it now on Netflix uh, streaming on demand service. Now, this is important. I, I, look, just if you don't have Netflix on demand service and you're poor, that's fine, I get it. But if you have, ca- if you can afford cable, you really should get this because the Netflix streaming on-demand service, Netflix service is much better than HBO, Showtime, all those things because, you know, it's, it's you get three at a time and you get the streaming service and I'm going to be talking about some streaming movies coming up, so there's lots to do. I I hit up uh, Kicking and Screaming on the streaming service, and I'm watching it, um, and it's it's a weird movie. Um, it's all about people who are 22 who don't know what to do with their lives, and I'm almost 40, and I don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> and... I felt like it was kind of weird how like sort of the fates had sort of pointed me to this movie again, um, only because, uh, you know, it like it kind of hit me from out of the blue, you know, it was just naked Perry Reeves was the only thing to get me there. Oh, by the way, I'll be uploading a picture of naked Perry Reeves for uh, all of you uh, very soon. But my, but, oh, the, the one bummer about naked Perry Reeves. Okay. So a only topless. All right. But two, she doesn't really look like Perry Reeves like she does in entourage, which is kind of a bummer because, um, you know, like when Elle McPherson posted, uh, posed for Playboy, they painted her gold, they put her hair up in a bun and you're like, who, who's that? I don't, I don't know who that chick is. Uh, yeah. Okay. She looks hot, but I don't know who she is. I mean, am I supposed to care about that? As opposed to 
me walking up to this artsy fartsy photographer for Playboy and be like, hey, psst, psst, hey, hey, dude, I'm so wasted right now. Oh my God, I'm so wasted. Okay, okay, what's your name? Okay, look, do me a favor. That chick from um, Sports Illustrated, I don't want you doing anything stupid, okay? I just want you to put her in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit outfit and then take her top off, okay? Okay. And then, you know, to see Perry Reeves not looking like the woman from Entourage, same sort of deal. It's like, I just want the woman from Entourage, you know, I don't want... I mean, it's funny because she's, you know, a good 20 years younger, but it's not the same woman. And it's weird. I don't, I can't, I can't rationalize that, but it's, it's, uh, it's just not the same. Oh, and the fact that it looks like her boobs are fake, even like the 20 something year old Perry Reeves kind of looks like her boobs are fake, which is kind of a bummer because it's like, eh. I don't know. I mean, they're not, it's not a horrible boob job, but it's kind of obvious. So whatever. But anyway, so I was happy to see um, Naked Perry Reeves. But the point is, is that I felt like I was steered towards this movie and I'm just like, I feel like it's ridiculous because clearly the, it was written, it feels like it was written by a 22 year old and I'm far beyond that. And yet, I feel like I'm sucked back into that, you know, mostly because of the whole job thing, you know, that I talked about last week or last time, I should say, it's been several weeks, last time where, um, you know, they wanted to pay me a shitty wage, not a shitty wage, like if I was just getting out of college, it'd be an awesome wage, but it's a just getting out of college wage. It's not a, I've been doing this for a long time, I know a bunch of stuff that I did not know then, and that's maybe because I wasn't a computer science major. I don't know. But I just don't think that, you know, those kids have the same knowledge. But it gets worse. The job search gets worse. Uh, and I was, And this is another thing in the negative column. And that is that I just had another interview with a place who was offering to pay me the exact same shitty wage, but uh, it was a it was a better environment, right? Like they had a lot more redundancy, they had a lot more documentation of their practices. I wasn't expected to know everything. The pressure level was not nearly as high, and and then it came back to me that oh no, I'm sorry, um, we were mistaken. We really didn't want to pay you that wage. We wanted to pay you significantly less than that. Okay. Yeah. All right. And it was what was truly ironic about this interview was um, I was talking to the guy and uh, I and he said something. Oh no, he said exactly... Yeah, you know, we've got this kid right out of college, and uh, he's in the New York office, and, you know, he's good and all, and he means well, but, you know, he's right out of college, so there's, you know, a lot of stuff he can't do. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're going to offer that 
price, that's what you're going to get. Now, it, again, it, I, I can't imagine the staffing agency is putting that much of a premium on my salary to price me out of this. Now, I know, I know when I was a manager and I needed to hire somebody, the price I got back was about, no, it was less than half than what we wound up hiring somebody for. And I, that's probably what they're up against. They're, they're probably up against someone who believes, well, what you need is X. And they're probably going off maybe probably like a call center uh, tech support model. And we don't do that. We, what, what they are looking for and what I used to do is more full service than that. And these guys are actually in a rougher spot than what I used to be. But so you so they have to go through this dance, you know, where it's like HR says we want to pay this because we've looked online and we see it's this. And then you have to write them back and say, no, it's not. And all this. But of course, because I'm going through a staffing agency, who knows if all of those hurdles will be jumped. Okay, so let's talk. Okay, so we've done a bunch of negatives now. Let's keep it a positive people. So that was how my life uh, got put in the red a little bit uh, since I spoke to you last. So let's talk about, let's let's get back into why it's been good. Well, one of the things that's been good uh, is, one of the, okay, let's do this. Uh, because I'm talking about things coming back from my youth, uh, the lovely wife of mine was having a party for some coworkers. And unfortunately, one of her old coworkers passed away. And one of her other co-workers wrote this song sort of in tribute to him. And he was like, you know, I'd really like to get a bunch of people together and record it, and then we can play it at the party. So um, I've played music in the past, and I was like, look, you know, I've un- I'm unemployed. <laughs> I got nothing else better to do if you want. You know, let's do this. Uh, it-, it was weird. It was like being 18 again, sec- 16 again. You know, and being in Jack Chan's garage with, uh, you know, Steve Randall and Siegfried Elizondo and some, you know, just trying to, you know, hammer out some tunes. Um, and, and it was, it was fun. Uh, I, I really liked it. I, and I kept making jokes about, Hey, man, you're getting the band back together, even though the band he had assembled had never played together. It was, it was weird. It was like a, a part of me that that was great to do again. And so juxtaposed against, you know, kicking and screaming, all these sort of elements coming back from my childhood, not childhood, but sort of, you know, but you're easily 15 years ago hood. Uh, it was, it was fun to do. But then of course, <laughs> now, now getting a little bit back into the red again, uh, of, but of course, the ugly head of the reason why I do not do this anymore reared up and said, like, yeah, we've got some band conflicts. And I said, yeah, this is why I don't do this anymore. So, but it was, it was fun. It was weird and fun. Um, oh, oh, so anyway, so, so one of the other really great perks, uh, uh, uh that puts me in the black overall is that with my time off, I've said I should be doing something, 
right? Like, I shouldn't just be sitting here collecting unemployment and playing Vigi games. I, I should be doing something. Um, just like in the end, at the beginning of Joe versus the volcano, where he says, I should say something. I should do something. I should be doing something. Uh, and one of the things I've been doing, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to mention it because I've been working on this for a while, is my internet cooking show. So it's called The Chef and the Novice. It's on YouTube, and you can see it at YouTube slash Chef Novice. Or you can just type in Chef and the Novice into the search uh, parameter and uh, watch it pop up. Uh, it's So basically what, what I wanted to do with my time off was I, I, I wanted to be a better cook, right? Because uh, lovely Miriam is out working. You know, why, why would I ask her to come home and help me cook? I mean, that just, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but that just seems stupid. Uh, you know, I'm here all day. I'm walking the dog. You should have dinner ready when you come home. And, and it should be good. Okay, well, for the, up to this point, I've been able to handle that first part of it, which is ready, good, not so much. So, uh, I've been working on trying to get better at being a cook. So, um, w- fortunately, and it's weird, too, because there are very, very few places uh, online in the San Francisco Bay Area where you can just drop in and take some cooking lessons. Like, it, it, there's nobody who's doing that. And this is, by the way, if you're all listening, this would be a great business venture for somebody. And if, and if you're doing this and I couldn't find you, you suck at this. You suck at marketing. You suck at search engine optimization. But look, if you're out there, I can do it because I've helped other people. And uh, so, you know, because I saw that somebody was offering a class in New York when we were there like two years ago, uh, offering a uh, cooking boot camp. And I was like, that sounds perfect. I should do that. This is good. This is very good. And uh, so I looked for that. I looked for cooking classes. But they're all sort of designed for people who are going to be professional chefs, right? Like, so if you you see uh, uh, Julie and Julia... Nah, I wouldn't recommend it, but I saw it. Um, it, it. All the classes Julia Child takes when she's in France are all designed for people who are going to be professional chefs. So, um, my uh, ex-coworker, uh, William Johnson, uh, he joined Facebook, and I, you know, wrote to him, and I said, look, man, um, and by the way, he had not been on Facebook for a very long time. So this is again, like I'm desperately trying to find ways that things fate is pointing me in this direction. I want it. I'm going to crowbar this fate direction in here so badly. Um, so anyway, so I, he joined Facebook and I saw he was on there and I was like, oh, awesome. So I wrote to him and I was like, look, this is what I want to do. I, I want to pay you to teach me how to cook. And he was like, all right. Because he had broken his ankle. He he can't chef like he used to. So, uh, you know, he does, you know, catering gigs occasionally and whatnot. And, and he said, yeah, sure, absolutely. Now, Chef William, he the reason why I trusted him so much is because I he was already part-time chefing while he while we were still working together and so occasionally i'd run into him and i would say look man 
I got this spinach. I don't know what to do with it. You know, it's wilting. It's going bad. You know, we've had, you know, uh, spinach salads for like four weeks now. I just, I, I need to do something with it. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, do you have any garlic? Yeah. You got any red pepper? Yeah. Well, now, now I'm going to tell you how to make it. And I'm going to tease you with that because that's probably going to be an upcoming recipe that we're going to do on Chef and the Novice. So anyway, so I, I, I contacted him. I said, this is what I want to do. He says, okay, sure. And then I videotaped the whole thing. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to remember what we're doing. He's like, oh, okay. So we do it. And then I edit it all together. I make episode one. And I show it to him. And I'm like, what do you think? Can we do this as a web series? I was really afraid he'd be like, look, there's some people that I work with and I don't want them to know that I'm doing this and all this stuff. He was totally on board. Totally. He was like, yeah, man, let's do this. This is awesome. So, um, I, all right, let me dial that back a little bit. But he was really enthusiastic about it. The thing about William is a little low key. Like, you'll even see if you watch episode two. Now, look, I'm totally pimping my web show now, but that's fine. Anyway, if you watch episode two at the very, very end when we taste it, um, he, he kind of goes, huh, yeah, that's good. And then I, in no exaggeration, say, yeah, like, that's the exaggeration of the, or understatement. That's the understatement of the day, because he's also given me a piece, and it's amazing. And, uh, and it's, I will say though, uh, editing these videos is kind of tough because of course I've lived it, I've smelled it, I've eaten it and it's fantastic. And all I want to do is eat that again, you know, while I'm editing this together and, you know, and so I can. Okay. So now, now, okay. So I've got another weird tie in together thing that I'm going to crowbar in. Um, also speak, go, referencing back to, you know, one thing I learned, uh, early on was state your transition, <laughs> state your transition. So one of the things I learned early back, um, no, wait, uh, going back earlier to this, uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, things from my youth. And so I investigated two new things, two new old things from my youth that I wanted to talk to you about. And that are a couple of movies made by people who I grew up watching uh, who made new movies of old series. That's a long-ass setup. Boy, I hope you brought a sandwich to that setup, because that's that's monkey business. Anyway, so I watched two movies recently, uh, not on the Netflix streaming. I just watched them, you know. Uh, 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 and one is Indiana Jones 4, right? Which is the something about the crystal skulls, something thing, curse of the whatever. Anyway, and the other is the love guru. Now, for the sake of argument, let's call uh, the love guru Austin Powers 4. Because it kind of is, right? And I'm desperate to crowbar this into this crazy analogy. So let's do it. And remember crowbarring because that's coming back. Foreshadowing! 
So, uh, and the reason why the love guru is Austin Powers for is because, you know, both of them are sort of goofs on popular genres, right? Like, uh, you know, Austin Powers is a goof on the James Bond genre. The love guru is a goof on the rom-com uh, you know, mentor genre, you know, I will help you to find love and I will in turn find love within myself bullshit genre. Is that really even a genre? Yeah, okay. Crowbar, 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 crowbar. So, um, and both of these movies are terrible. Don't bother watching either of these. I'll tell you right now. But the reason I watched him was because I just couldn't believe that they were really as terrible as everybody had said. So let's take these uh, separately. Uh, the Love Guru is Mike Myers. And for those of you who haven't seen it, and by the way, those of you who should not see it, uh, he plays a, a, a white guy who was raised by Indians. Uh, I mean, West East East Indians. Uh, who teach him the way of something. I'm not sure what. Uh, peace, happiness, I don't know. Uh, and then he grows up uh, and he is arrivaled with Deepak Chopra and is tasked by Jessica Alba, the very lovely Jessica Alba, to, um, to fix the relationship between the one black hockey player in the world and his girlfriend. There you go. Now, what's weird about this movie is everything. Um, it, the, uh, all right, all right. Wait, wait, wait. Wait for it. Wait for it. Now, let's go to the other movie. Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull movie. Uh, Indiana Jones... Boy, I don't even know if I can explain this movie. Okay, let me give me a shot. Come on, come on. I can do it. <laughs> I'm doing wind sprints right now. I'm just trying to loosen up, loosen up. Okay, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Come on, come on, come on. You're better than that. All right, elevator pitch time. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, okay, so Indiana Jones. Uh, come on, come on, come on. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Okay, Indiana Jones learns that Russians have stolen a crystal skull and he, his friend, uh, it, uh, is been captured by them who is trying to return the crystal skull and he is told that by his son that he had with, uh, Karen Allen from the first movie and they go to return it to a Mayan civilization so they can receive the great power. Whew. Well, that is that is the movie, but damn, that was a lot of work. Okay, oh. okay, okay. All right, shake it off, everybody. It's all right. Shake it off. Shake it off. Okay. So uh, the first, you know, you're in trouble with the Indiana Jones movie. The, okay, so you think you're doing well with the Indiana Jones movie because. The opening scene is the Paramount logo. And for those of you who don't remember, the Paramount logo is the stars that kind of go over a mountain. 
and and then it says Paramount in like an, the stars are like in a big arc over the mountain, and then it dissolves into a sort of a groundhog hill, which you're kind of like, hey, that's kind of cool, you know, good good use of tie-ins and all that, until you see the poorly animated 3D prairie dog that pops his head up out of that hill, and then you think, oh shit. What have we done? And then the movie does not get any better from there on. Oh, shoot. I'm slipping into the love guru. It does not get any better. No, it does not. Okay, so this is when I really knew. Like, I had this feeling like we might not be totally screwed with the 3D woodchuck. A groundhog, prairie dog, whatever. I don't care. Anyway, but 10 minutes into this movie, Indiana Jones finds for an 800 year old Indiana Jones finds himself in the middle of a nuclear testing ground in the early 50s, um, you know, in Nevada where they're going to drop a bomb. And what they're doing is is they're dropping the bomb just outside the city, and they want to see what a nuclear blast, you know, what the shockwave will do to a neighboring town. So they've got this uh, nuclear bomb up on a hill, and uh, you can hear the countdown going throughout this model city that they've built that Indy has found himself in. And so, you know, there's no time to escape. There's no time to get away. So what does Indy do? He jumps into a refrigerator. Now, I appreciate the fact that the movie makers spent the time to uh, put on the side of the fridge, it is lined with lead, because my initial reaction was, well, a refrigerator's not going to stop a nuclear blast. What are you doing? But look, at least they tried. It was something. Lined with lead refrigerator. I mean, it was it was tacked on. It was and and honestly, it was it was everything I wanted most filmmakers to do because most of the time when I scream about something, you know, in a movie, it's like, "Why didn't you just do X, Y, and Z? It would have been so easy to do and it would have solved, you know, most of the plot holes." But this was not going to solve it, right? So what happens is he gets into the refrigerator, he rips everything out, he closes the door, the blast comes, and based on what happens next, it appears that he gets blown, eh, I'd say about a mile away from the town in which he started in, in a refrigerator, not padded, harsh, refrigerator he gets bounced down for a mile then rolls out of the refrigerator stands up and faces this nuclear mushroom cloud and then we cut to the next scene of him getting sponged down with some loofahs really really that's what you're gonna do okay all right i've written you off you are monkey business now, there are other bits of monkey business, which I will not get into because it would just be a tired, you know, just sort of dead horse walloping uh, adventure. And that's, you know, look, if I was in your living room with you and we we're having a beer and we we're watching this piece of crap, it would be fun. But to listen on a podcast is just kind of belaboring the point. But 
what I want to talk about really is the tie-ins between these two movies, because they actually do share some, well, they share a lot of things. First of all, being the shit you do don't make no sense. <laughs> like, there were things, and it's so weird, too, because, like, there's stuff in this in, in, you know, the love guru, the comedy that makes no sense. And there are things in this action movie comedy that make no sense. And you, it would be, it's surprising how similar they are. So for instance, you know, as I have just regaled you with the refrigerator tumbling down, you know, that would have killed a man in his twenties, let alone Indiana Jones in his sixties, seventies, however old Harrison Ford is nowadays. Um, there's a, a bit in The Love Guru where they have clearly established uh, that Mike Myers' character is wearing a chastity belt. And Mini-Me from the Austin Powers movies, again, this is why it looks like Austin Powers 4, um, uh, Vern Troyer shows up and they have this argument and he punches him, uh, he punches the Mike Myers' character in the nuts and there's an uh, there's a audible bang where he hits this this very uh this this uh chastity belt this metal chastity belt and then yet mike myers just falls to the ground as if you know somebody has put uh uh alligator clamps and a and a car battery on his testicles writhing in in anguish i mean it, the the shit makes zero sense it's like look if i was wearing a chastity a metal full metal jacket cock belt jacket ah shit i couldn't do it sorry 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 everybody you get your money back oh you didn't pay anything for it okay I wouldn't be writhing around. I would just be like, ha ha. Yeah. You hurt. Your hand hurts, doesn't it, midget fuck? Yeah, right. I'm going to kick you in the face. And, and yet, you know, and that makes no sense. Um, and and the, the big problem, actually, with the Mike Myers movie is there are two big things. Is One, it's a lot of gross out humor. And two, well, the big problem with the gross-out humor, of course, is I'm trying to eat lunch while I'm watching this, and it's just all, like, nose hairs and soups, and just, ugh, even the thought of it just makes me want to Ralph right now. Um, but, uh, and the other thing is, is that the <laughs> the Love Guru character, he, one of the things they set up early on is that he tells bad jokes, and why you would make that a fundamental character attribute is that he tells bad jokes because, you know, him going, you know, over explaining the bad joke doesn't make the bad joke good. It just makes it a long, bad joke. So another thing that these two movies have in common, um, you know, especially in which really makes me feel like the love guru is Austin Powers 4 is that or Mike Myers, what, 12 or whatever, how many ever movies he's generated by this point is they both suffer from. Hey, you remember this? We did this in an earlier movie, huh? <laughs> yeah, we did it in an earlier movie. Therefore, you should uh, give us all the credibility that was afforded to all those other movies because we are referencing those older movies. So in The Love Guru, they actually play Bohemian Rhapsody a la Wayne's World in the car. And Mike Myers does a real, like, definite look to the camera. 
and then uh, Indiana Jones, there's this real, like, crowbarred, crowbarred moment where uh, he gets into quicksand and he starts sinking. And rather than throw him a vine, somehow Shia LaBeouf throws him a snake. Like, like, the snake's still alive. It's not a dead snake. It's this, you know, 10-foot anaconda that he throws to Indy to grab a hold of. And it's and it's like, what do you... I mean, in what world do you just fetch up a snake and or grab it from a tree and then throw it to a guy and not have him bite his face off or, or choke him out or whatever? He's just like, just grab it, just grab it. And it's, I mean, the whole thing makes no sense. But anyway, so again, it's like, oh, Indiana Jones, don't you remember in the first movie, he says he hates snakes and here's the snake and he has to decide whether to save himself from the quicksand or grab a hold of the snake. <sighs> Boy, it's exhausting just even talking about it. Whew. But what, you know, this is another thing that they talked about. I believe they talked about when this movie came out in 2008. I think they actually both came out in 2008. Uh, Jordan Jesse Go talked about, which was, what would you be, you know, imagine, teleport yourself back to 13 years old. When you saw both of, you know, uh, Austin Powers or Wayne's World or So I Married an Axe Murder or whatever. And the first Indiana Jones movie. What makes you more disappointed, right? Like how disappointing the love guru is or how disappointing this Indiana Jones movie is. And I have to go with Indiana Jones. Absolutely. No question about it. Indiana Jones, because Indiana Jones was a fantastic movie. Unbelievably fantastic. I mean, it's in the AFI American film institutes, I think it's in their top 10 movies of all time. Now, Wayne's World, eh, but but the Austin Powers 1, Austin Powers 3, I both really enjoyed. Probably not going to be making the AFI 100 anytime soon, but I enjoyed them a lot, but nowhere near the kind of legendary status that Indiana Jones has. And there are actually some bright spots to uh, the love guru, there's a bit. Uh, so they actually, so, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's about ice hockey, and uh, Steve uh, Colbert, Stephen Colbert plays one of the hockey commentators, and Jim Gaffigan plays the other. And Stephen Colbert is a recovering drug addict who is going with, I think he's going with through withdrawal through most of the movie, and by the end of the movie, he's completely just whacked out and then gets back on drugs and says some really crazy shit. And Gaffigan tries to like figure out what's going on. Those moments are really fantastic. Uh, But there's nothing fantastic in the Indiana Jones movie. And it's just the Indiana Jones movie is, you know, and, and, you know, you can go to uh, my YouTube presence, not the chef and the novice, but if you go to UGTV.org, spell out D-O-T, uh, U-G-T-V, D-O-T-O-R-G, um, there's a whole uh, uh, video I do about expectations. And, you know, when you say we're going to do an Indiana Jones movie, there's a certain level of expectation. And even though I knew 
how horrible it was, there's still this sort of like, hey, man, this is my childhood you're fucking with. You really want to go there? And and we all know George Lucas is insane, right? Like, you know, we saw Star Wars Episode 1, 2, and 3, and he's still involved with this latest Indiana Jones project. But Star Wars 1, 2, and 3, you could kind of say, like, well, this needed to be told. You know, as shitty as it is, it needed to be told because we just had to wrap it up, right? Because everybody wanted to know what happened before... You know, because they make a lot of references in, in references in uh, episode four, A New Hope, the original Star Wars, about what happens before. So you kind of think to yourself, ah, yeah, we we would like to see before, but there's nothing in, and, and certainly let me get, let me say in you know Star. I have heard rumor that Lucas planned this originally as a nine-part series. So we don't need to see 789, right? Like, there's nothing in 6 that makes me say, we need to see 789, right? Like, I mean, there's no allusion to it. There, you know, uh, Darth Vader is dead. Yoda is dead. Obi-Wan is dead. So what, right? 789 is just more continuation of you know, whatever they're up to. But, um, and just like that, there's nothing about Indiana Jones that makes you need a fourth installment, right? There was nothing in the third one. Actually, there was really nothing in the first one that said, we need more installments of this Indiana Jones series. It was all just sort of like, well, here's a thing, and here's another thing, here's a third thing, Ah, fuck it. Let's do a fourth thing. You know, it's like, what? Why? Why are we doing this? So when when South Park did their episode of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg raping those poor kids' childhoods, kind of makes a little bit of sense now, don't it? And if you haven't seen that episode, it is so great because all, you know, the the four South Park kids just are kind of like shivering and and confused and they've act they're acting like they've been raped like they've actually got like somebody confronted them in the parking lot and fucked the shit out of them but really they were raped by Steven Spielberg and uh, George Lucas of their childhoods yep but let's talk about uh just just to wrap it all up let's talk about some things uh that are again let's put us let's put us in the black Oh, there's a transition that is going to blow your motherfucking mind. Because we're going to put ourselves in the black so hard, we're going to require some black dynamite to get us out. That's right. Black dynamite. I just watched it on, you guessed it, Netflix streaming on demand. Available right now, Netflix streaming on demand, black dynamite. Um, It is... Uh, it's not great, I'll be honest with you. But if you want something to pass the time, Netflix streaming is great because uh, when you watch it, whenever you stop, it remembers where you were and then you can jump right back into it. So if you were like, uh, I don't know, I got some Netflix, I don't know, whatever, I'll just jump into something and then maybe a week from now I'll watch and I'll pick up. Um, Black Dynamite is uh was made very recently within the last like two or three years but it looks like it was made from the 70s so it's about 
you know, and, and there's this term black exploitation, which I don't really think is actually the best name for that genre. It was, I would think the best name would probably be low budget black action movie, right? From the seventies, seventies, low budget action movie is the, is the best name you could give it. And what basically what it is, is these guys in the zeros, the 2000s, whatever we're calling this, uh, they said, let's go back and try to make a movie super, super shitty. (laughs) And so they made this movie, Black Dynamite, where it's like Shaft or um, or, uh, 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 Black Ninja. Is that what it's called? Afro Ninja? Whatever. Anyway, and it's great because it's, it is just that. Now, unfortunately, it is not more than that. I mean, the joke is kind of the one joke. But if you want a casual viewing experience of some monkey business, you want to see some titties, or if you're a chick and you want to see a buff dude, this movie is for you because it is, it, it, it does the one joke very well like down from the music the camera angles the the sort of like bad editing you know just it's all done in the genre so if you want to see somebody who nails a genre post genre perfectly well (laughs) they do it better than anybody else so i'm gonna wrap this up but I just want to say, uh, you know, I was listening to David Feldman, who was on somebody else's podcast. I can't remember who. Um, David Feldman has his own comedy podcast, and the audio is, and the comedy is, but you know, there are some laughs in there occasionally, and, and it's some good times. Um, but he said that there were people who were donating money to him to his website. And I honestly, I, I can't imagine anybody donating this podcast. I mean, it's just so, like, it's just me yelling into a microphone. I mean, who the hell is going to donate to this? And I would feel weird just even asking people to donate. But if you like this podcast, get people into Chef and the Novice. Uh, I really, really feel passionate about this. And, and maybe this is my connect the dots. Maybe this is the thing that I am supposed to do because all those other jobs I was supposed to get that seemed like this was the thing I was supposed to do, I didn't get. And maybe they were all the things that were keeping me from doing this. I don't know. And and really, it doesn't take any money from you. Just just get people to watch the episodes, to su- subscribe on YouTube. Just spread the word. Just tell everybody you can about uh, YouTube slash chefnovice.com. Uh, no, youtube.com slash chef novice is the, is the address. Uh, but even if you do, uh, chef and the novice, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll find it uh, on YouTube. So just tell everybody about it because I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know how many other jobs I can do. <laughs> and if, and honestly, if you have, uh, you know, constructive criticism or anything you want to tell me about, you know, the two episodes we have up, I would love to hear from you because I am kind of rudderless a little bit. 
<sighs> okay. So, from me, from Tyler Durden, from William Johnson, from uh, all the good people who helped me steer me on my way over these 40 years, to my parents who are having their anniversary today, to everybody who's listening, and to everybody who will tell someone else to listen. Thank you! And let's do this one more time! Till then! Till then!